We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Simon. And tonight we're looking at the Night Stalker episode, Timeless, in a park. A man finds a decomposing body. The coroner, Aaron Shields, rules it accidental death. Alex Nyby calls in Kolchak because he thinks the coroner is wrong. The face of the dead woman was bitten by an unidentifiable animal clean through to her brain. Questioned, the coroner dismisses this as the cause of death because of the lack of defensive wounds on the body. The victim didn't fight back. Therefore, these wounds were post-death. It all seems perfectly plausible. At home, Dr. Shields seems visibly upset when his mother, Marlene, is getting all dolled up to go out with a gentleman caller. Nyby, on his own time, does a thorough body examination of the corpse, and he finds something, a small hypodermic injection mark hidden in a freckle. He reports to Dr. Shields, who contacts both the police to report it as a homicide and to Kolchak. Shields takes the credit for that discovery. Marlene's gentleman caller catches a glimpse of Marlene without her face on, so to speak, and she really needs a lot of work. She's a lot older than she appears. Ah, vanity, eh? Jane has a lead. He introduces Carlchak and Perry to Titus, the morgue attendant. That is, the Beacon's newspaper's morgue attendant. There in the dusty tomes of history, he's found a set of three murders in 1970 that matched the dead woman. Three bodies found in parks with their faces bitten into the brain. Kolchak contacts the retired detective on the case and learns that the women were alive when their brains were eaten. Anesthetized and helpless, these poor women were conscious as they watched the killer chomp into their faces. The murders stopped when the trail led to a Dr. Russell who had access to the anesthetic used. The doctor killed himself and the murders stopped. Meanwhile, Perry tracks down the dead woman's supervisor. The dead woman was a realtor and often showed houses all alone to strangers. It's almost a perfect setup for someone to go missing. Perry meets the supervisor, and it's Marlene. They meet all alone at one of the houses. Marlene has nothing to offer, but she pervs on Perry's beautiful young skin and reveals to the audience that she's about to inject Perry with a hypodermic just as clients arrive to see the house. Perry escapes but never knew she was in jeopardy. She gives Marlene her card before she leaves. Back at the newspaper morgue, three more murders in 1935 are discovered, and three more in 1900. Kolchak realizes that the killer must be incredibly long-lived. Maybe the murders stopped in 1970 because three was enough, and maybe the killer wasn't really dead. Kolchak gets the corpse of Dr. Russell exhumed to see if he's really dead. Oh, he's dead! Dr. Shields confirms that and points out the bullet damage to the face. Nyby points out that the pattern of the wound isn't consistent with a short-range suicide, and Shields, in front of Kolchak and a police detective, is forced to concede that this was a murder, not a suicide. Meanwhile, Marlene's gentleman caller tells her he knows her secret and that she doesn't have to cover up for him. She ominously tells him she never wants him to leave. Shields confronts his mother. He tells her that he had to perform an autopsy on Dr. Russell. You told me he killed himself. You murdered him, just like you're going to murder me, he weeps. 
no, no, we wasn't strong like you, but it, it was necessary. The police were asking questions, and, and when I killed him, they stopped asking questions. Don't worry, I've got this all under control. Mother knows best. Perry, having dinner with her parents, has been disturbed by this case. It's made her question her choices, and she discusses the case with her father, a doctor. He latches on to the weirdness of it and suggests that maybe the killer was after the pituitary gland at the front of the brain. In some cultures, the pituitary gland, eaten while still alive, is believed to prolong life. At that moment, Marlene calls Perry and says she's got more info. Can you come by my home right away? Of course she goes. Nyby, doing more digging, discovers an earlier victim from a month ago. Her death had been accidentally misclassified as natural causes by none other than Dr. Shields. When Kolchank can't contact Perry, he rushes to Shields' home. Marlene injects Perry while Shields, in a panic, watches. Perry tries to flee, but finds herself in a room with a dead gentleman caller. Marlene has set it up that she's going to kill Perry, eat her pituitary gland while she watches, and then blame the crimes on the dead gentleman caller. As she's about to bite into Perry's face, Shields shoots and kills her, just as Kolchak and the police arrive. The case of the night face biter has been solved. So, timeless. Timeless. I'm just curious. Did you see any, uh, I don't know, similarities to anything else maybe we've watched in the past? Well, let me be absolutely clear about this. You're saying that this 2005 version of Night Stalker is purely based on the movies and they have no rights to any of the stuff in the TV episodes? Correct. So no influence from the youth killer, say? No. How about from the Night Strangler? Well, I say that's the other thing, but I couldn't help but feel the youth killer was pretty close. That's true. That's true. But I, I'm guessing that if they got into a court battle, they'd say, come on, we even had the morgue attendant, the newspaper morgue attendant. I mean, oh, it, that's true. Yes, it, I had forgotten that. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and they, did, they did have the, um, the periodic cycle from yeah. the Night Strangler. And, uh, and indeed, various X-Files, uh, Squeeze, and so forth. So, so yeah. Well, I, I mean, I have always thought that Tombs and Squeeze were absolutely lifted from the Night Strangler, in a way. That that was, that was their, I want to say homage, but, you know, that's where they got that idea. Their upgrade, yeah. Yeah, to it. <clears throat> and then this is... Um, well, okay. I'm gonna. I'll ask this question: If you only had the Night Stalker and the Night Strangler to work with, and you weren't ready to do your vampire story yet, um, and you thought, "Well, we're gonna we're gonna do the Night Strangler," but I think there were some problems with that story. Is this an improvement? I mean, is this a, is this a a better uh, remake or reimagining of it? It's a good question because I wasn't exactly effusive in my. Uh, appreciation of the night strangler yeah but i didn't find myself enjoying this episode terribly much and <laughs> part of that i guess it i mean i guess there's an element of um shifted expectations in the sense that this is a this is a 2005 episode and i'm i'm expecting a bit more from the guest cast the the the, the characters in the episode to 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 kind of engage me in the story and and be a little bit more than the sort of cardboard cartoon cutouts that populated the the 74 mm -hmm. series and 
and indeed the, the, the preceding movies. But I really think I, the, the problem I'm starting to have with this whole series is that not only is it, is it I mean, in this, obviously the two-parter really did, um, it, it ran counter to that in the sense that there were really, really interesting, engaging subplots with characters who you cared about. But the thing that seems to run through this consistently is that the regular characters and yeah, maybe Kolchak in particular, they're a bit dull. Mm-hmm. So you've got a bunch of cardboard cutout characters like Marlene, you know, um, there's an interesting, there's, an, there's surely something interesting in there about the whole idea of what immortality would actually be like and why you might pursue. Couldn't, couldn't you do something to try and make that character sympathetic and to see what immortality would mean through their eyes Mm. but 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 no you've got you know you've got basically a witch and her feeble son who's not up to standing up to her Uh a whole bunch of crazy coincidences like i mean Uh why why is why did they have it so that the Emmy's mum was the witch. Was there any point to that? I, I get it. I get it. I'm going to make a, a complete and absolute truthful admission. And I've seen this episode before. Okay. I have seen this at least twice before between here and 2005. And when they get to the scene where Dr. Shields is sitting on the sofa and he's, you know, arms, hands between his knees and he's looking all upset. And he says to his mom, he says, I had to perform an autopsy today. And she goes, you perform autopsies every day. He says, yeah, but it was on my brother. I forgot how she, how he refers to them as on, I think he called it Dr. Russell's first name, Alex or whatever it was. I don't remember. And at that moment I go, oh shit, that's the coroner. I didn't even remember that. Not only did I not recognize him, I didn't remember <laughs> it from two previous viewings. I'm like, well, that, how is that possible? It's such a stupid coincidence. My brain is literally forcing those two characters apart. <laughs> I totally didn't get it until that moment. It's like, oh, he's been hiding this. <laughs> Like and I feel stupid every time I watch it. And I remember feeling stupid every time I watch it. It's so poorly constructed on that level. Yeah, yeah. And and I Maybe it's the lab I, coat. You know, he's a sort of a generic nineties, two thousands actor and he's not wearing a lab coat, so I don't recognize him as the Emmy. I I, I don't know. Well I'm not I don't I'm not it's not that he needs to be more recognizable. It's that I don't see I don't see what drives these whole set set of coincidences, or the or the fact that she, uh, as in Marlene, is the the boss of the uh, victim. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a bad choice. Owens, uh, for example. I mean, I suppose there's some kind of sense to it in that that gives her opportunity to go along with motive, um, but it's something you'd expect the police and anyone else investigating this might look into yep. in in much the same way you kind of think if you still cared about the plot and it's it's really not so much a plot it's so full of kind of these closed loops that it's more like a knitting pattern but if you still cared about it at the point where there's the exhumation of dr russell mm-hmm. And on, on what basis was he exhumed? Oh, Kolchak can just go and ask some detective for a favour. But 
whatever they, he's resumed doctor so who did the autopsy that got the cause of death wrong I, I mean if i if i cared i'd want the episode to explain that to me because if it was shields then there are questions about why did no one at the time pick up the fact that Shields was conducting an autopsy on his own brother because surely there's some sort of uh, obviously it couldn't be Shields is only thirty-ish. I don't even think he was born yet. Well, I complete I completely missed that. So you're you're saying that? Yeah, Shields is just was is is the next in the line of boys that she's bred for this purpose. Hence the different name. Yeah. Hence at the very end in the last shot they show the picture of mom and the little boy. That's that's probably Shields. As she see, so here's I, I'm gonna try to make it. I'm gonna try to make a case, not saying for good plotting, but I'm gonna I'm gonna try to make a case. When she explains away what happened in 1970, I mean it's very cold. Well, the police were asking questions, so I killed him, and the police stopped asking questions, and that that's cold. It's like, see, it worked. I mean, that's uh-huh. a sociopath. It's like problem solved. Hey, <laughs> right? But if she is that calculating, or or that Insmissive. It's. I can totally believe that she said, you know, it was a good idea for me to raise a son who was a doctor who could get me the anesthetic. This time, I'll raise me a son who's going to go into be the medical examiner so he can help co- get me the anesthetic and cover up. Maybe? Like, she's just improving mm-hmm. her pattern? I, it's the best I could come up with in that. But I think, you know, she's clearly grooming these kids from the time they're born to be the next shield for her. Even the name, Doctor Shields. To me, to, to I mean, to me, that's there. Ne- there needs to be more, more to her character than this two-dimensional, as you say, sociopath. Because there has to be, there has to be some reason why you can appreciate the power she holds over Shields Junior. And yes, I mean, obviously, she is his mother, and clearly, we see a bit of conflict. But it's very difficult to sympathise with why he is going along with what he knows. Mm-hmm. He seems to know doing, pretty well, yeah. You know? Yeah, so it other, other than that he is just rather weak-willed and she is obviously quite uh, dominating, There's not, there's, essentially there was nothing that I found interesting about either of these characters. And, you know, on top of that, yeah, Kolchak is like, he... He but he does very little in yep. this episode, really. Um, he doesn't even get along to save Perry, right. as it you know as it happens. He 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 might have been in time, or he might not. We don't know because Shields has done it by then. And even even Perry, I'm finding a bit boring. Uh-huh. Jane Jane's in this a bit, but yeah, he doesn't really do Jane. anything. Yeah, pretty dull from first episode. And Vincenzo, who's the one character who you know we're actually finding we like in this show, it's he's having another episode off. I mean, how dare they? Yeah, he's not in it at all. Yeah, yeah. And I, in the reference to them being two-dimensional ciphers with nothing to do, is is this really is this case really the one that's going to trigger Perry to start questioning her her career choice that? You know, she spends all her time on the job and she doesn't have a life, you know, when the mom talks to her about it. It just didn't ring true. And it doesn't it, ring true. And that, that, that to me is part of the problem with Perry. We don't have a, tr- a proper sense of who she is because at first we get the impression that she's a very, very ambitious, 
crime reporter who is who who cares about you know getting to the story first and and getting getting the name recognition you know it's it's her byline she doesn't want Kolchak on the case etc 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 she doesn't have any time for his nonsense she's incredibly skeptical she uh, sides with uh, she sides with the FBI man and then gradually though it's not absolutely clear why because it seems to happen rather fast and also because he's rather a wet blanket but anyway she seems to be sort of one around to Kolchak's point of view and that ambition and that edge to her character very quickly gets whittled away so that she just becomes someone who will do it's not even someone who will do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. It's more the sort of the right thing because it serves the plot mm-hmm. that she'll do it. And so there's no longer that individual drive that you got the sense of from her being a, a you know an ambitious, driven journalist. And if she still were, and if the you know if there'd been a a, a series of cases where her ambition had drawn her into witnessing things that that really did horrify her and she she were starting to question it that would be an interesting storyline but coming out of nowhere like this i agree it doesn't ring true mm-hmm. you're right kolchak does nothing in the story it, it relies on a huge series of coincidences to to tie it all together the only thing i can think of and again totally trying to justify it in my head just to bring order to a chaotic universe i kind of got the impression that marlene is a a sociopath she 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 sees human lives as a tool or deaths as a tool to solve her problems her wishes her her needs and hence her ability to just kill her gentleman caller guy when he mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know it's like oh well you know the the reporters mentioned they were looking for an older man he's an older man kill him older man Question stop. I mean, it's very simplistic. Um, but when it comes to her selection of victims, so we don't know anything about the first victim, to my knowledge. I don't think they tell us anything about who she was, just that it was a month ago. And we don't know what circumstances. You know, maybe she was Marlene's secretary, for all we know. <laughs> you know, I mean, it just, they, they, that's just put out there so that they can, um, you know, advance the danger to the third victim which, do, which actually doesn't advance the danger at all. No, it doesn't. And I mean, it would it would be exactly the same story if Perry were the second victim. It wouldn't be any less. She doesn't seem to be very careful. For someone who may have bred her own child to be her shield, for someone who, you know, went to the trouble of injecting a hypodermic into a freckle, and let me tell you, that was a coincidence. Um, you know, she... Maybe the reason that she picked her employee is because she's too stupid to plan well. That she literally, look what she did when she met Perry. She started perving on her as the only thing that I can say. It's like, oh, you have such beautiful skin. And it's, oh, you just, you know, it's like starts caressing her. And you're like, okay, time to get out of that house. That's just wrong. And I'm wondering if that's just her you know, she did that with her employee. Suddenly she just kind of like got, yeah, you know, that's the one. Pow! But yeah. Because she's not being careful there. She knows there are clients about to turn up. That's true. And and if she was going to stab Perry the way that she 
look like she was going to stab Perry there, or if she stabbed her the way that she uh, did stab Perry at the end, there is no way she hit a freckle on purpose. No. So that second killing, happy accident. How, how do you do that? How actually do you manage to sneak a hypodermic needle into a person in their freckle? And the answer is, you don't. <laughs> Unless it's an or accident. It's an accident, yeah. So, I mean, that whole plot point is shot. Now, I'm going to go back to the Night Strangler for a moment and try to say I could, just as, as I posited that maybe X-Files was Chris Carter kind of looking at many of the flaws of the Night Stalker and saying, I think we can do better. I, I could picture somebody working on this story and looking at the Night Strangler and saying, really? 0.05 milliliters of blood is recognized as missing from the body when there is no coroner, nowhere, no how that could measure such a small quantity of blood being removed from a person because, A, your blood isn't measured in the first place. It isn't consistent from human to human, and it would be different based on any number of factors, including your size, weight, age, etc. Whether you've just had a nosebleed. Yeah, it's absolutely impossible that they could have done that. And then, of course, the whole, I had to extract it and... The first 12 seconds after the victim dies and I have to enable the formula, you know, and it has to be precisely timed. All that is just complete and absolute stupidity in the Night Strangler. All eliminated here. We actually do have a myth that, if you will, that we put forward that, you know, eating a live pituitary gland in some cultures is longevity. So we've got something. It may be tenuous. It may be real. It may not be real. Um, is it real? It might be, I, you know. How do I mean, you actually? Well, I mean, the same way you okay, think rhinoceros again, this is horn like, makes you, you know. I mean, it's it's some well, well, pretty sure. stupid Rhin- culture. Yeah, Rhino- rhinoceros horn, which you have to presumably grind down or something. Mm. This is this is again. I feel like it's an effort to, to really care this much about the plot in this one. But this is saying you actually have to eat the pituitary gland while the person is alive. Pretty, Which, as they point out, means eating through their face and basically gnawing through their skull with yep. human teeth. Yep. Or and we're saying like people it. did this. Uh, <clears throat> yep. Yeah. I'm not saying it's not saying it's particularly uh, realistic, but I'm just saying it's uh, you know it's a little closer than it's a little closer to extracting the liver from a live victim to eat, like in tombs. Well, surely that's easier. I, I would think that that is probably easier. I agree, but I mean conceptually wise than it is to extract a a minuscule amount of blood in 12 seconds after the death by strangulation of a person which you would never you would never be able to get to i can totally see some cannibal tribe somewhere thinking that if you eat the face the front of the brain off of somebody of your victims that might give you warrior powers you know i mean that's the kind of thing that that some of well they might think it but whether they actually a, accomplished it or tried it and found out that it worked yeah i clearly there's a story there that we're never going to be told as to how she figured that one out or that she figured out it had to be three people or that it was every 35 years but i have a question for you is she getting younger or is she just still getting older and hiding it with makeup are we supposed to believe that if she killed Perry and ate her pituitary gland, she would be young for another 35 years? Or would she just get to live another 35 decrepit years like it kind of looks like? 
I'm assuming story. she gets younger, but that's because I've watched The Youth Killer. And, and The Night thinking, Strangler. Well, yeah. Yeah. See, and I don't see sign of it. It's like, that would make more sense as to why the guy saw her all decrepit and, you know, she's got false teeth. Are her teeth going to grow back? I don't think so. I, I mean, I, I, you know. God, yeah, she's got false teeth. So how? Well, when she took him out, she had something she even, the... even scarier under there. They were, they were really jagged, nasty looking teeth underneath her yes. false teeth, which is not how false teeth work. You, you don't get to put false teeth over your real nasty teeth. Not like those. And nor do, nor do nasty teeth like that serve any better for gnawing through someone's skull. I imagine. I, I guess I if, they're, if they're really jagged, maybe they, they are a little better at crunching bone. I don't know. <laughs> it, didn't make a, it didn't make a whole lot of sense, but I'm I just, you know, they never tell us that she gets younger. The only thing they ever showed us was that she goes to a lot of trouble to make herself look young. And it's makeup. It's a wig. It's, you know, stockings over her nasty legs. It's covered up long sleeve jackets and stuff. We, we, and Except make, she does, she does look young she looks much younger than she is supposed to be the shots where you see you know it shots of the back of her head when she's not wearing her wig or the shots of her legs or whatever are nasty they're clearly a double yeah so she she does actually look young but is is that so when she comes out right i mean apart from so she's got these really nasty legs let's use as an example and much older than a woman of what her face appears much older than the actress mira ferlin who is who is portraying this um she's pulling she out has, some, she has, something she has that, old legs yeah she has old legs she has old legs, really old the, legs. The, the, the nasty that you're seeing that's what Age. You're, it, that that's produced by an incongruity that repels you between her apparent age and her actual age because yes. because you you have this perception caused by what her face looks like and then you see her legs and you have the the reality but she's putting there's on something stockings that appear to be covering that up yeah 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 but there's something interesting in the story where they could be playing about with that you know if you're looking for because this story right it's got pretensions of actually discussing mortality mm-hmm. you know that last line about from the from the the moment blood starts pumping through your veins or whatever you know we're all gonna we're all gonna die and so some of those ideas about the way the way you are perceived when you've lost your youth and and you know the 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 way in which when you are later in life and you know you've got a you know a decade at the most to live and and how that changes your perceptions of there's something interesting to explore in that Mm -hmm. that could give that character you know, you're never going to forgive the extreme she goes to, but at least some empathy with what she is feeling. But yeah, no, there's nope. none of that. There's none of that. No, it's it's very very poorly, <clears throat> very poorly constructed. And 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 like I say, I I'm gonna, I I, I was kind of paying attention to it this time a little bit closer. And there is no statement at any point in this story that she's actually physically getting younger looking mm. even dad when he's telling perry about the pituitary gun he doesn't say it, it brings youth he said it brings longevity yeah and obviously i'm having a very difficult time believing that if she's supposed to look like a 130 year old woman that's just put on a lot of makeup 
I'm having a hard time believing that. And I think that's part of, you know, between well, that yeah, and the it, fact that we know that the Night Strangler and the Youth Killer, it's all about these periodic killings to keep your youth. And I, I read into it every time in the past, oh, yeah, it's making her younger. But, but I'm kind of wondering now if that's just not true. Although, how does she keep breeding, breeding babies? every so often because so. we have because we have we are encouraged in in these stories to have a very simplistic well certainly in the in the original Kolchak story to have a very simplistic idea of youth because it's actually when you say it's making her younger it obviously it's not making her younger it's not a time machine she is the age Physiologically she is younger. yeah it well it 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 is rejuvenating either inhibiting or or reversing the effects of aging but it's not it's never whatever it is it's not going to consistently reverse all of the effects of aging at exactly the same rate or whatever it is perhaps going to have an effect on your skin let's say or maybe on your joints maybe you're going to find that you move more easily or maybe you're going to find that your face appears a bit younger it won't necessarily be both it won't it, you know it might mean that she can continue bearing children because it it uh, pre- prevents her from going through the menopause or whatever that there, there are all sorts of possible it, it would be possible to do a much more interesting story around all that with this because it's not actually this fairy story idea of it's not like it you know in stardust where um the the sisters have to eat the heart of a star and they just become young it it wouldn't be like that. It would actually be about uh, rejuvenation is a, is a good word, but it it would be about it would be about longevity, and part of that would just be about keeping going, and part of the keeping going would be about making sure that some of the effects of aging, the ones that actually lead you to your death, were halted or or you know maybe even to some degree reversed. Yeah. I'm, I'm, it would it would lead it would lead to these interesting contradictions between the fact that someone who appeared in some respects to be a young woman was actually a very very old one, and how would people feel about that if they saw things or knew things or were trying to breed a baby with her? Yeah, and, and how would she feel shocked. about that when people when 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 people reacted in that way? Because you know, part of it is about longevity, but part of it presumably is also. I mean, there's that there is living forever but if you know i mean people you you'd consider living to to 90 let's say to be a long life but if then you you carried on beyond 90 but you were now you know 120 150 or whatever you'd spent 60 years looking as aged as a 90 year old or older you might still feel a bit regretful about that if what you're after, the reason that you want the longevity, is to recapture that the, the, your youth. So you, what actually matters is not just you halt the effects of ageing that are going to kill you, but actually you also halt some of the effects of ageing that make you less attractive or less appealing to some people and that people start to perceive you in a different way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree that that the themes of, you know, what would you do, what would it entail um, about, you know, just 
live forever. What, what, what does that mean? Would you get bored? Would you get decrepit? Would you get uh, all those things? Interesting stuff. Interesting stuff that you could develop a story around. And they just completely failed to do it here. Hmm. They complete. I, I feel like they, I feel like that they had a, a, a remit to do the Night Strangler differently. And they spent their time trying to either take things from it or avoid things that were bad about it. And that never led to having a good story to begin with. So I'll answer okay. your original question. I, I will say, I think, I might, if, if, I, if you force me to watch it again, I might, <laughs> I might not hold to this view. But I think The Night Strangler is a better story because for all its faults and for the fact that, you know, Darren McGavin's Kolchak irritated the hell out of me, especially in those early stories. He is an interesting character. He's a, he's a character you just can't ignore. And although it's hokey and the science is terrible, there is a, there is a kind of atmosphere to, and, you know, all that kind of subterranean uh, Seattle, is it? Mm-hmm. That you have in that story. It, it gave it a, a, that, that kind of somewhat gothic feel that made it a much more memorable thing. And this, this story, I mean, it wasn't absolutely terrible, but part of the reason I haven't felt that it's terrible is because a lot of the flaws in it just seem like, well, I don't even see why I should bother to care about this. It's not worth caring about. I, 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 think, I think that sums that one up pretty good. I am just going to uh, throw something out here that, that um, I just found vaguely amusing that occurred to me while I was watching this episode. Uh, 2010, Disney came out with a movie Tangled, which is their version of Rapunzel. Um, mm-hmm. which we're just the, the most superficial of setup here. Uh, evil old mom keeps daughter trapped in tower because of the healing, rejuvenating youthful powers of her hair so that mom can continue to be young and sings a song called mother knows best. I've, I've had the, the misfortune to watch it. So yes, <laughs> it's like, I'm not saying they took that from it. I just found it was amusing when she said mother knows best. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I remember that from Tangled. <laughs> so you're suggesting that Tangled was inspired by... I'm absolutely inspired by this. <laughs> Timeless, which was inspired by the Night Strangler. Strangler. And it, I'm still going to insist the Youth Killer, though. The Youth Killer was also inspired by the Night Strangler. So Yeah. So. That, that, that's a TV movie that casts a long shadow, then. <laughs> I tell you. It, it really must. Um... I don't think I have anything else. I, I will say uh, good old uh, Gordy the Ghoul, although not Gordy the Ghoul, um, <laughs> Alex Nyby, got a lot of screen time in this one. He did, yeah. he did a lot of, I, I mean, I would say he did the, the most work in this story. Yes, yes. And But again, it's part of a network of coincidence because his boss turns out to be... The son of the murderer. <laughs> yeah, and the the... The fact that he takes this story to Kolchak, okay, it does. It makes sense, you know. He's had he's had this connection with Kolchak, but it just felt like the writers were going, "Oh, how are we going to introduce the story this time?" Because what I, again, I don't have is a sense of. So what is what is Kolchak's rep? What is his? How, why well, do why do people read Kolchak, and what do his colleagues think of him? Because he could be as McGavin Kolchak basically was a crime reporter who just happens repeatedly and extraordinarily to stumble across all of these 
paranormal incidences within stories that initially appear like proper crime stories. Or it could be that he is someone who has sort of specialised in the paranormal and that's why people bring him stuff and that's why um, why uh, someone like Nyby would think when he came across this, Kolchak's the guy to go to because it looks weird. Could it be that this is an unknown animal that's chewed the face off somebody? That's how it's kind of first portrayed. And hearkening back to that pilot episode where we have the wolf-like creatures mm. chewing people up. It's like, oh, it's one of those where they eat people, so let's give it to Kolchak. It, it, it seemed, you know, it just seemed kind of as with many things in this episode, haphazard how they came across that. Um, and it's very yes. horrific. I'm, I'm curious, as before anesthetics, assuming this woman has been doing this longer than 1900, well, they didn't have anesthetics in 1900, really. Nothing like that. Um, you know, what, what did she do prior to that to keep the victims down and uh, alive while she chewed them up? Uh, probably she just have to tie them down. <clears throat> Yeah, I guess they wouldn't have any forensics to say. No, no, they were fighting back, so we know it's... Or even M.E.s, for that matter. So, yeah, yeah, it's... um. But we did have the Daily Bugle, or whatever the hell it's called. The Beacon. Beacon. <laughs> back to 1900. Back to 1900. Now, do you remember, off the top of your head, what the time interval was for the Night Strangler? 30 years. Was it 30? Okay. I, I may be wrong... I, I may be getting that mixed up with Squeeze. I, <coughs> I thought it was 30 years. I didn't remember off the top of my head what it was, but it was just like, were they using the same thing? Are they trying to get back to 1970? <clears throat> you know, how do you come up with that plot-wise? But, um, but the Night Strangler was 73. I know. <laughs> like You'd think then they would have... I would have, if I had been and writing the this killer story... The Youth Killer was 75. <clears throat> if I had been writing this story... I had been writing this story. I would have absolutely made it whatever the interval was would be back to um, the Night Stalker or the Night Strangler as an homage. Yeah, you know that would have been that would have been the way to do it. But the Night Strangler is every twenty-one years. Twenty-one years. You get a lot more of them, except that they were a lot further back in time. Isn't that sad? <laughs> well, going back to eighteen eighty-nine. <clears throat> Isn't that sad? They can use a longer interval to get the same number of of, <laughs> um, of past ones till you get back into the 19th century, and then figure, yeah, we can't do it there. All right. Oh, I well, see. And the and and the the researcher at the paper was also Titus Berry. Oh, was it the same name? I didn't get a chance to it look was, that up. It was the same name. I got I got uh, I got suddenly interested in the actor because he seemed very familiar. Which it turns out is because he was in uh, Memento. He was. Uh, Sammy Jenkins and Memento. But um, Titus Berry is the name of the researcher in the, the TV movie. So Played by Wally that, Cox back then. Yeah, that's it. That's a, a, what's that, the third character yep. that they've brought back? And from uh, <clears throat> They didn't change this one, though. I mean, he gives the same speech at one point. I don't know if it's word for word, but it's so close uh-huh. about the... I mean, obviously, he's not mentioning the internet and the webs and stuff, but I mean... He's, he's on about how all the history and the knowledge and the this is here in these tombs. And it's, it's like it's it's almost word for word. Um, the other one. So, yeah, you've got that. You've got Agent Fane and um, well, and, and Kolchak. Kolchak and Vincenzo. And Vincenzo. So four. Fane is the name of the FBI agent. That yes, helped I, I've forgotten him. Yeah. So so, so he's, he's in fact the fourth. So <clears throat> I don't know if there are any other 
throws in there. But, uh, you know, the least they could have done is thrown in a, a Malcolm Richards or a Richard Malcolm or, or something. <laughs> oh, if they'd, called the, if they'd called the coroner Malcolm Richards, that would have been perfect because he's not the killer and it would have thrown people off who thought this was a ripoff of the Night Strangler. I'm not sure that was their key audience. Fair enough. (laughs) Okay, let me ask this question then. Would this story have been better or worse if, if Dr. Shields had been the coroner for the previous nine episodes? That Nybe was always, because Nybe's always kind of trying to, you know, get around his supervisors because he's doing stuff for Koljak that he's not supposed to do. He's been doing that the whole time. Although the coroner has not been seen, I don't believe at all. But if they had had a bit part for him so that we would have established that this guy was has been the coroner all along and then suddenly we get his mommy fetish here nine episodes in um the 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 episode what would have made it better is if we could have established for that character and i don't think this is a criticism the actor who's who's done the best with what he's got but if we could have established more clearly what the motivation for that character actually was and in particular why why his relationship with his mother was was so strong that he was basically he was he was covering up and, and indeed committing these fairly heinous criminal acts. Now if if they if they could have established that, that would have made it a better story. And I believe they could have done that within this episode. I think they could have but if they tried, yeah. You know, it, it would have it would have worked had they had they seeded it through the previous eight episodes leading up to this yeah that would have been that would have been good but you could have had him appearing in a cameo and then just suddenly have him behaving in 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 this way without really the previous eight appearances explaining it any better than we got in this episode and the story would still be as bad mm. you know, it's curious if you, you know sometimes you I, I, this is a general question sometimes you'll have a character in a tv show that's like in the background that they're there, they show up, they're maybe a bit part, and then one day, suddenly, the show decides to give them an episode. And suddenly you learn out that they had, you know, that they immigrated from Lithuania, or that they you know, survived the Holocaust, or, you know, just some I, I, sudden I, I, piece I, of backstory that you've never had any hint of. And There's I, I, such a great example of this, but I'm not going to say what it is, because it's a, it's a spoiler. Ah, what's it a spoiler for? Uh... Okay, I'll say what I'll say what it is. It's Law and Order. Oh, okay. All right. So anyone anyone who is would like to watch Law and Order and hasn't seen the first nine series, I think it is so far. <laughs> okay. Then turn turn your ears away now. And I'm assuming you don't mind being spoiled because you're not a, not a like... keen Law and Order viewer. Yes. But there is there is literally a character. Uh, Profaci, who's an who's another detective in the same squad room as our heroes, and he's he's in it series after series, literally just giving the guys coffee or going and fetching papers for them or whatever. And then they do a movie, and he turns out to be the 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 guy who is basically uh, the 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 bent cop in you know in the in the resolution of the story in the movie and so it is like the culmination of this uh, enormously long story i can't imagine for an instant that when they introduced him as an extra they had the slightest idea that they were going to go there um, but it certainly blew my socks off because i was incredibly surprised but it wasn't seated, having right? just 
You, you can't well, look at it, it and go, oh, yeah, you know, no, I, now I see the signs of it, anything like that, right? It's you, just... wouldn't, you wouldn't look at it and you wouldn't see the signs of it. I, in the way that story works, then that's fine because there's no particular reason why you would see any okay. of it. So they, they, could have, they could have done something with this guy if he'd been a bit player just there in the morgue once in a while and done something with it if we'd been given a plausible explanation as to why he was actually doing it. But it didn't have to be seeded that he was bad all along. And, and you would have been, you could have had your socks blown off by that, in theory. I mean, it, it's, it's worked in, in another in, show. In, in theory. But right. As I say, I think, I think what it all comes down to Law is, is probably a better written show. You need, you, you need the character to be actually established in terms of his motivations. And, and that, that, all the all the key writing in terms of that needs to come in this episode. All all the writing of why Prefacci did what he did in Law and Order Exiled comes in the writing for the movie, mm-hmm. which actually is not the best written example. I would say it's not really as good as your average weekly episode of Law and Order, but that's by the by. The you know the the point is that's where the work is done that explains him and the and and the fact that he is a familiar character makes, adds something to it. Makes the betrayal more real. It, it yeah, it does. You just and, assumed he was on and, your team for nine years. Yeah, and and it and it and it works in that way for people who have been watching, you know, since he first appeared. But it equally will make as much sense to someone who just goes along uh, you know who tunes in for the, for just that that movie episode because the writing is all there in the story itself hmm. okay well I, I don't think uh i don't think we have anything else to uh discuss about this episode because you know <laughs> it is pretty bad um is this the worst episode out of it have we, have we is this the worst Night Stalker we've seen? I kind of I'm, feel like it is. I'm, I'm not sure it is, but I we've had some bad ones. There's no doubt, and we only have one more episode, which is what's the frequency, what's the frequency call, call check? check? So um, I don't know if this falls at like would have been some sort of a, a mid-break uh, semi. Etc. I don't know whether this is meant to be a pivotal piece of the puzzle or not, but um, it is the last one that was produced before the assembly line of Kolchak or Night Stalker 2005 was turned off forever. So, uh, looking forward to that. <laughs> Actually, I am looking forward to the end of it. Uh, of, of the, uh, the you Night can certainly read that in two ways. I am. I. Um, uh, I, I for all its flaws, for all the things that we've gone through with the original series, and and many things that you pointed out that I just blissfully glossed over in watching the show and going, I like this show. Um, you know, I, I this this attempt to jumpstart it for the 21st century and fix it really hasn't worked for me so far. So, oh, I'm kind of well. I'm putting all that down to the fact Ed had Ed Head hasn't come back. Oh yeah, yeah. Edhead hasn't been it, back either. So it had its it, it had its moment. I thought the source and the sea that oh, sorry the source and the ocean. What would you have that, would, that yeah. was what the show should have been. That was what the show should have been. Oh well, maybe this will be another mythos episode that that falls into that category. All right. Well, Simon, thank you for joining me. It's a pleasure as always. And listeners, I do hope you'll join us all again next time on Fusion Patrol. 
You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at fusionpatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production. Perry, having dinner with her parents, has been disturbed by this case. It's made her question her choices, and she discusses the case with her father, a doctor. He latches onto the weirdness of it and suggests that maybe the killer was after the pituitary gland at the front of the brain. Brain. With brain. It's made her question her choices. No, not with that laugh in my voice. (laughs) My brain hurts. (laughs) That's not your brain, that's your pituitary gland. Ooh. (laughs)